to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. This is episode 62. Our guest today is Dr. Monique Gatson. This episode is for moms and dads who homeschool and still want to grow their career and fuel their passions while educating their children. Dr. Monique Gatson is the host of the And the Church Said podcast. She homeschooled her two daughters while working as a licensed professional counselor with over 16 years of counseling, consulting, and program development experience. Today, we spoke to Dr. Gatson about her homeschool journey. If you want to keep this podcast going, consider supporting it by donating monthly via our Patreon page. Full video episodes will be unlocked and discounts on my books will be given. Visit patreon.com slash cleverlychanging. Today's African proverb is... Advice is a stranger. If he is welcome, he stays for the night. If not, he leaves the same day. This is a Malagasy proverb. now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the Congo. Tata. Tata. It means father. Tata. Father. Tata means father in Lingala. I am so excited to announce that my third book, The Ultimate Sickle Cell Activity Book, is now ready for purchase. So here's the thing. This book was written for preteens and teens to let them know more about sickle cell disease. This book educates readers from start to finish using word searches, crossword puzzles, secret codes, writing prompts, fill in the blanks, and more. The pre-sell starts now and there is a discounted price of $14.99. After June 30th, the price will be increased to $19.99. So order now. And thank you for supporting my books. I appreciate it so much. So Definitely, if you know anybody who wants to learn more about sickle cell disease, then this is the book for them. Welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Elle, and this is a new episode. So, Week after week, I've been bringing you different guests who share their perspectives. And this week, we have an amazing guest who has been homeschooling for a really long time. And I know that sometimes, at least this season, we haven't necessarily had a whole lot of homeschoolers. But this time, this is a treat because she is a working mom who has homeschooled her kids, and we are blessed to be able to hear her story. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Monique. Hi, how are you? 
Hi, I am well, Elle. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited about this. Thank you. Can you tell our uh, our listeners a little bit about you and your background, just so that they can get an understanding of what you're bringing to the table? All righty. Well, I am married, have been married for 26 years now. Long time. Long, long time. Yes. Um, we have two daughters, 25 and 18. So my youngest um, is graduating from high school in a few weeks as of this recording. And um, they both have been homeschooled the duration. So I know we'll chat about that a little bit. I'm also um, a licensed professional counselor. Um, so I work primarily with, um, well, with churches, but also with people who want to come to therapy and they want to bring their faith. They want to be able to explore the issues that they are dealing with through the lens of their, um, through the Christian faith. So primarily those are the type of clients that I deal with. So I do that as well. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much life right about there. (laughs) And a podcast too. So, oh yes, yes. I I also host a podcast where we do talk about, um, church and culture uh, and and faith and mental health and all that. So where all those things kind of converge, I talk about those things as well. And what's the name of the podcast? Podcast is And the Church Said, and it's found on most major um, podcast platforms. Yes. So at the end, we'll definitely have you plug your different social channels, but we're just going to jump into this conversation because I know that I am not a new homeschooler, but I have a lot of questions because I know that this homeschooling journey is not always easy. And even though I've been at it for a while, it has its ebbs and flows. Some years you're, you know, really going at it hard and you're doing a whole lot of great things. And then other years you're like, oh, I don't know if I can keep going. (laughs) So I want to hear from someone who has stood the test and stayed the course and been able to do this for, wow, like, Your kids are 25 and 18, so you were doing it before it was popular, before it was um, a whole lot of online resources. You were doing it before many families of color were even doing it. So I want you to kind of unpack what got you started and um, just kind of just tell us about that journey from, you know, kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where do we begin? Um, yeah, a bit, you're so right with everything that you said. I started, there were no social media platforms, you know, there was no virtual hangouts, <laughs> there was no online support. I mean, I literally had to look high and low to find what little bit I did. And even at the time that I did, you're absolutely right. There was very, there were very few resources for um, uh, people of color. So it, yeah, it was, it was a very lonely journey in the beginning, but we started because my, um, my daughter, my oldest daughter at that time, we were going to do the um, tour of the school, you know, going for the orientation for kindergarten and, and everything. And um, at that time, the school zone that we were 
the school we were zoned for where we were living, uh, we had come to find out it was on the state list, where it was on the watch list, you know, for poor performances and everything. So, and, and me and my husband had talked about it and we were like, okay, just because, you know, overall the school might have some lower marks, we know that there could still be good teachers, you know, if she has a good teacher, we would be good with it. And, you know, we would, we would ride it out. However, we went um, to the to the orientation or whatever we had um, attended, and I instantly just had a catch in my spirit, like, this is not going to be it for her, you know, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want my husband to think, like, I was going to be trying to influence him, you know, like, oh, we got to find something else. So I, we were just walking kind of in silence <laughs> in the parking lot, going back to the car. And then he was like, I don't think that's going to be it for her. And I was like, oh, goodness. And so I was able to exhale and say, I didn't either, but I just didn't want to say anything because I didn't know if you thought I would be trying to, you know, sway you to do something differently. So we were in agreement with that. Started checking into um, private schools and Christian schools. And at that time, the tuition, we were like, this is college. And so then, no, <laughs> you know, we were just like, there is no way in the world, you know, we could afford to put that type of money into the education at that time. So my parents both um, taught, they were retired um, educators back in that day. And so my mom was like, you could just as well homeschool her. She said, you, you have what it takes to get her through these, you know, first few years of this year or whatever, until you all decide what you want to do. And I said, well, okay. And so that's what we did. You know, we went ahead and I researched it and found out what I needed to do. And um, we started the homeschool journey that way. Part of how that happened too, I was in graduate school at the time and my mom would have her in the afternoons. And so my mom had already kind of started doing things with her, you know, writing and shapes and colors and all of, all the things. And so she was already catching on to things uh, fairly quickly just because of my mom, you know, just that one-on-one -on -one individual attention. Um, so she was catching on to things really quickly anyway. So we were actually able to kind of start her further along than she would have started if she had gone into a, uh, you know, a public school system um, anyway. But yeah, so that's how we started. And it was just kind of a year by year decision. And my husband, we, we both just kind of said, let's just get through third grade. You know, we just, cause we just didn't want to do the up, down, back, forth. So we were like, we just committed to doing it through third grade. I think that would have gotten me through graduate school. Um, and we said, we would just reevaluate, you know, at that point. And um, what we had just come to discover, like, this is what the Lord was calling us to do. Soon as we started considering um, putting her in public school, I was having dreams. God was revealing things to me in dreams that really kind of um, warned me, I guess, that that would not be the path for her. And I was like, eh, okay. You know, and I hate to tell somebody like, oh, I'm having a dream about this or whatever. But my husband was real cool with it. He was just kind of like, no, I just haven't felt like, you know, we're supposed to do anything different either. And I said, okay. So it just, it really had become that type of a journey where, you know, it's, it's like we started, we took it by, by chunks, you know, um, by the time she would have been, six, seven. Then we had my youngest daughter. We had lost one in between, but then by that point, the second um, child had come. So, um, or third, I usually say third child had come. And so, um, we, um, 
it just did the same process with her. You know, we just went ahead and kind of started her. And so while we had them both, I just kind of took whatever curriculum I was doing with my older daughter and just breaking it down for my younger daughter. So she just kind of fell into, you know, fell into the mix. That was our journey. We got to high school um, and started really contemplating some things, um, found a couple of co-ops. Let me back up. Along the way, I also would find little programs for her to um, participate in. So like creative writing, just little things that she was um, interested in. There was a creative writing program. There was a a lady who was native um, Spanish speaking. So she was doing classes for homeschoolers. And I was like, well, you know, this would be something good for her to take. Um, just because I was would not be fluent in Spanish. I took Spanish, but I wasn't fluent in it. So it, there were little things like that that I would use to kind of outsource. But for the most part, yeah, that's that that has been um that have been our journey. So I'm gonna stop because I think you or do you want me to go ahead and start talking no, about it? No, 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 it, it's fine. <laughs> I love that it sounds like you had confirmation and support. all along the way, which I think definitely is something that I can relate to. But I know Mm -hmm. that there are families who are like, what? You're going to homeschool? What? You can't do it. Like, (laughs) it sounds like your circle was saying you can do this. And I know there are a lot of families who their circle of family members, friends are like, no, put that kid in school. And so I think it is a little bit easier when you have that support from mm-hmm. your from your circle, from you know people who say that, oh, I trust you. And I think you know knowing that your mom had kind of laid that foundation and told you, hey, this is an option for you, which I'm sure you already knew internally, but for her as an educator to reinforce that, I think that is like just golden because so many people, it's their their own family members who have their doubts, who are unsure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my parents and my husband very were, they were very much, you know, supportive. Yeah, there were outer bands, you know, um, people at church, um, you know, other friends that we would know that would do a lot of questioning, you know, about the decision. Are you sure? And are you trying to shelter her? You know, you're going to have to let them out into the real world. You can't baby those babies. So I did get those comments. You know, I did get them. And then it would be, even though I was grateful for the fact that I would say what the, who are the main players, <laughs> you know, we were all on board with this. But it, it did, I have to admit, it did do something, though, to hear those comments, you know, from other people. Because as to that same very point that you're, you're saying, it's almost as though they don't, they're not trusting me with my own kid. Like, you know, why would I want to do something that will ultimately be detrimental to my own kid? Um, so, I, you know, that that was hard. And, and like I said, back then, there, there was not another to say, well, they're doing it, too. You know, I, I just, I didn't have that. And so it was a very lonely journey. And I mean, and I, I can't sit here and pretend that there were not times that I still didn't question it, even with the confirmations. Wow. So right now there is an explosion of African-Americans who are homeschooling for a variety of reasons, but unlike in the past, so with a lot of Caucasian homeschoolers, 
is for religious reasons. But in the Black community, it's really a lot of times it's because of racism. Can you kind of um, just touch on what advice you would give to African-Americans who are thinking and considering homeschooling? Yeah, what advice would I give them if they're thinking about homeschooling? Um, I mean, I would just tell them really to, well, again, I would, I'm hopeful that the distractions are not what they were back in the day, but even if it still is, um, to just be true to what it is that you know that you're doing. And especially if you feel like this is a call from God. I mean, you know, the, he, his promise, his call to, of, of our lives never promised to be easy, right? He just promises that he will be with us. So even the times when it gets difficult, even the times when um, the kids get to saying, you know, they want to do what seemingly everybody else is doing. And we feel, you know, like we're abnormal or whatever the case may be understanding what is the um, the greater goal, you know, that is, um, that is, you're hoping to accomplish there. Um, and I would also say, because of the data we're in, just get, get that support, you know, make sure that you do have someone that you can talk to about, you know, the challenges that you are going through. It makes it a life finally found, you know, a few people of color. I could find, um, you know, groups, like you were saying, that were mostly, um, you know, formed by, you know, white people, white families. We would go to a couple of those, but it just never felt comfy. Like we could never get really settled in, you know? So, um, but if just having support would be probably one of the biggest things that, um, I would say, and also having that vision statement for your family, explaining to your children what this is, why this has been your choice. If you can communicate it as a vision statement, and um, and this is the therapist part of me that's kind of coming out now, and helping them to see where it is that they belong in that because we all have that need that sense of belonging we need to have somewhere where we belong so if we can if we can help them to understand this is the vision of our family this is the vision statement of our family this is what we're hoping to accomplish as a family and this is what we need you to do to help us to accomplish that. Sometimes, especially in those earlier <laughs> earlier years, you know, you may be able to get them to kind of buy into it. And that in and of itself can help the, um, the journey go along a lot smoother. Awesome. So right now, I know that um, there are families who have their spouse at home. They've already agreed that, hey, this is what we're going to do as a couple, as a family. What are some ways that your husband supported you? Because sometimes we have our spouses, you know, on board, but we don't know what to tell them to do in order to help, in order to assist. And I think that um, it's very helpful for us as 
you know, it could be the, the husband that's doing the teaching primarily, but whichever parent is doing the teaching, you have to be concrete about your needs and how others can support you. So what are some ways, some things that your husband did to support you? Yeah, so for us, <laughs> he was like the phys- physical ed guy. <laughs> so, you know, when it would be, um, if I had been with him during the day, which usually was the case, if I had been with them during the day, and unless I had, if I did not have to go and do sessions with, with my clients, um, then while I would, you know, switch and maybe start dinner or, you know, do another task or whatever the case may be, weather permitting or really even if not, you know, he would make sure they got outside. You know, they would run around. They would go get on the bikes. He would take them to the park and um, do the soccer balls or help them like with just swinging a bat and a ball. I mean, just working on like hand-eye coordination skills. I mean, you know, it's just, it was just little simple things like that. We just, we did not try to make it be like a really big deal or, you know, really, really organized and straight. You know, like kids just want to get outside and play anyway. You know, they just want to run and play. He tends to be more artistic as well. So, I mean, we used to, all of us love sidewalk chalk, but that would be the other thing. You know, he would kind of get in there and help do some of the, I, I call them the messier art projects, you know, <laughs> going out to the garage with the, with the paint, you know, in the um, or out in the driveway again on the warmer days, the sunny days, and let them just color up the um the sidewalk on um, the driveway you know with the sidewalk chalk and everything so he was doing it that way and just teaching them even what he knew you know from his days of of his art classes you know uh, if you want to make a picture look further away you know you do this you do that so it was little things like that that he he would do um to um so we could kind of like if you will kind of hand it off you know those would be the places where he would find himself kind of plugging in more so for me. That's, that's great. My husband is an artist. And so I know exactly what you're mentioning because mm-hmm. he, he does art and also graphics with our girls. And he also teaches them um, money investment, like stock market and things like that. So that's, that's his expertise not mine. And so that's how he lends a hand. And I think it's Mm -hmm. very helpful because they, children give a different sort of attention to their dad when they're teaching. And it's great to be able to watch that. Speaking of watching things, when you think back and you reflect on your experience as a whole, do you have any favorite moments? I think my favorite moments really (laughs) was when they were younger, simply because of the fact that, I mean, they just would be so eager for anything that you could do that deviates from the norm, you know, so I could give them, um, I used to collect my pennies, like I had a big jar of pennies, but helping them with like math skills or, or whatever the case may be, or counting out money. Um, we would play like store through the house. <laughs> I just go and put like price tags up and say, okay, if you wanted to buy this, if you want to buy, you know, you have to count out these many, or you have to give me this much money. So it would be little things like that, that would be kind of um, a break away from the desk, you know, the book, the paper, 
because this was before the big time computer, you know, everything was computerized. So it was the books, you know, it was the paper, it was the pencils. That was a way to get them away from the desk. So it was really fun during that time to kind of come up with creative things to do that would just reinforce the skills and that they would be all gung ho for it. So those would be my, my, um, you know, the, the times that I look on with the more, with, you know, most of my fondness, if you will, because again, you know, the older they get, it, it just becomes a totally different um, approach and a different dynamic with that interaction. So. Yes, yes. So here's the thing. I know that even the best homeschools have its challenges. What are some of the challenges that you face? Because you weren't just homeschooling. You mentioned that you were still doing sessions at, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day. And so that's a lot to also plan lessons, teach your kids, have clients. How, how you know, what were the challenges that you face? Yeah, so... Um... I, you know, I'll speak on the, the challenges again as they got older and their desire to want to do, you know, or have the public school experience, you know, again, because most of the people that they would be around would have that. And it would be the, oh, you haven't done this, you know, or you haven't done that. And so that would be one of the um, biggest challenges because, again, to be very honest, and I, you know, I have no problem being honest with people about the difficulties of the journey, right? That those would be the times when I literally, literally would be like, you know what, let's go see about getting you enrolled. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Because <laughs> if I'm going to have this type of a challenge, like, you know, I'm just like, I'm tired. Let's just do this. But there would be so many times that, you know, again, the spirit would just say, that is not your path with them you know and so I'm thinking like okay well how do we do like what do we do with this but one of the things that um I did do with both of them and this was challenging again because in the day the the resources were a lot limited but I did find co-ops when they were um approaching high school and one of the reasons I did that too is because I did want for them to get accustomed to different teaching styles. You know, I did not want them to go into college and the only interaction they had would have been with me or their dance teacher or their piano teacher, you know, at that time. Um, so I did find um, co-ops for both of them and they started entering into that, which gave them a little bit more interaction with other children. They were able to see other people or homeschooled other than yourself. You still get to do the things everybody else do, you know, proms and homecoming dances and um, science projects and all of that. I mean, you know, they, they had those opportunities to experience those things. So that would be challenging from the school part of it. And then like you say, yeah, just trying to um, find the time to balance all of those different components of life and then not get lost. And I will admit, I got lost lots of times. <laughs> you know, I just, I really just, I was underwater, I would say, <laughs> you know, like drowning from it all. So I really did have to think, and, you know, the, the, the more I did it, the older I had become more people I found, you know, that I could talk to about it. I really had to learn different approaches, you know, to do it. So, um, and one very wise woman, this was years ago, has shared with me, she said, you know, as you learn, teach, 
Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. But what that meant was while I was trying to get myself organized, if I'm planning lessons, then you need to be planning something as well. When is your homework due? You know, when are your tests? Here's a planner. These are ways that we can use it. You know, so the time that I would need to do things, she was saying, you know, as you're learning it, teach it. So while I would be doing a thing, I would have them also doing it too. And then that kind of opened up time for me. So even if it were, I need my quiet time, you know, like during the day, um, we're, we're, we're done with school. Um, we've had lunch, extracurricular activities. If they were on that day, had not yet started. What are we going to do? What we're going to do is everybody's going to go to a different room, to a different corner. We're going to respect everybody needs his or her own space. You can go read. You can take a nap. You know, you can write. You can draw. But what you will do is you will engage in quiet. So with that, I was trying to even teach them that um, that concept, that self-care, you know, like you need to stop sometimes, you know, you need to check out sometimes, you need to respect the fact that other people need that sometimes. So um, that was one of the best things that I had ever heard. Um, and I, when I really started um, implementing that, it was, it was, it was a big lifesaver for us all, for sure. Well, you are touching on my next question, which is about self-care, because I know that right now we're in a time where self-care is a buzzword. It's very popular. Everybody's like, oh, are you practicing self-care? But let's be honest. I didn't see my mom practicing self-care. Mm -hmm. And it's really a foreign concept to some of us, especially those of us who often carry the weight of our families on our shoulders, not just ourselves, not just our household, but our, our communities, so to speak. And so it can be hard when you're so accustomed to doing for others mm -hmm. to remember to do for yourself. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you did? You talked about quiet time, which I am a big proponent of because mm -hmm. I love I just love to hear nature. I love to hear the birds chir chirping. I love to hear just complete silence, no cars. So we do some, some major trips where it's away from, you know, just city life because I feel like that's refreshing. That's not for everybody, but it is something that I feel like you were speaking of and something mm -hmm. I could relate to. But what are some other things? You know, self-care goes way above and beyond just getting your hair and nails done. But that's what some people like to always bring up. What are some um, kind of out of the box type of things that you did for self-care? Yeah. So I'm a therapist, right? <laughs> so um, a lot of, of my, as you're saying, what I think of self-care, I mean, I think it's great to do things that you enjoy. So sure, many petty days, great. Okay, but I am talking about more so how is it that we are kind of more proactive with our mental and our emotional well-being. So for me, that would look a lot like journaling and that especially I'm a, and I'm a big proponent of journaling with a lot of my clients. I'm constantly prescribing that for them, you know, and just trying to help educate them even on the therapeutic benefit of journaling. So that is one thing that I would do, and especially in those days when I felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to. 
you know, like nobody was going to get this because if I dared utter how hard it is and how isolating it is, then the quick piece of it, advice or solution would be, well, just put them in school. You know, there, there was just like, there was just no other option that you could be, you know, given or extended. And I'm just, so I got to the place where I just wouldn't say anything, you know, but I knew how important it is not to suppress those feelings. So that's why I love to see where you have, again, these groups of homeschool families or parents or moms getting together <laughs> excuse me, and being able to talk about the challenges, you know, not sitting on those feelings, not suppressing those feelings, because we know that that's going to go nowhere good fast. Basically, you know, that's going to start impeding um, our um, physical well-being then. So we always wanted to make sure that we understood that connection. So for me, it was journaling. It was when I did find that one person or two people that could really understand and allow me that safe place to share how hard it is. And even to talk about it from the perspective of this is what God wants me to do. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to. It's hard. They don't want to. It's hard. And it's, you know, it's so much tension, you know, like, what do I, so I needed somebody to be able to talk to that about out. So that for me was a form of self-care, just again, always kind of making certain that you did have um, that support. And two, yeah, um, I, I'm with you too. I love the, the, the parts, you know, I love engaging in nature. So I also had to find those things that kind of took me out of the mommy, wife, teacher, clinician role. And then that's where Monique got to say, what do I want to do? Like, you know, what do I want to do that will um, preserve, <laughs> I would say, maintain, sustain, you know, my mental or emotional well-being. So for me, it's, you know, it's gardening. Like I used to love to go out and just um um, plant flowers, you know, just hands in the dirt in the soil or something. It was just something, it's something still is so nourishing, you know, and um, comforting to me um, about doing that. But I think that that's where you get to check in with who we are as individuals, you know, who we are as women and what are some of those dreams that we have had? What are some of those things that we have wanted to do and engaging in those things that take care of us, not necessarily just from that. Um, and when I say superficial, y'all, I'm not trying to say people who do many petties are superficial, but I am saying going deeper to the soul level, soul care, <laughs> you know? So when we're talking about, what is that thing that makes you come alive? You know, if it's what I wanted to write, but who gets to write? Well, okay, carve out that time and do that thing. You know, and I do believe, because I will say this from a therapeutic standpoint, one of the things that can cause people angst and anxiety and grief is when we have dreams that are deferred that we feel won't ever be. So even if we get to just, you know, just um, indulge in that for a little bit, you know, it may be, okay, I would love to open up a, um, a bakery, but, you know, I, right now I can't do it. Well, we're in a pandemic, of course, can you? Well, y'all know what that looks like now, but I'm just saying, 
pretend that's not even happening, right? So if I wanted to open this up, but I don't get the chance to do this, but if it is, maybe during the holidays, I get to um, just bake and sell my goodies to people. Then I feel like, wow, I am getting um, the opportunity to indulge in that desire, you know, that I have that desire of my heart that I have. And I do believe that when we are able to connect with those things that are dreams and visions that we have, and I trust and believe sometimes that those things are given by God, then that helps to kind of calm that angst and that anxiety that we can have. Like, you know, my life is about everybody else. So will I get the opportunity to do these things? But when we do have that opportunity to participate in those things, I do believe that to be true self-care because for me self-care is more about soul care mm-hmm. is getting beneath those levels like you say hey girl we all love to get the hair done you know the nails done um the pedicures the massages great those things feel good to us and they, they have their place i just say let's not ignore our soul what is our soul crying out for what is that deep hearts desire that if we, you know, got still and got quiet, we would get in um, in touch with. And we would say, is there any way that I can connect and do a piece of that even right now? And I do believe that that is probably one of the best practices and forms of self-care, soul care that we can indulge in. That's powerful. Soul care. That takes it one step further. As we begin to wrap up the conversation, I have one more question for you. And this is actually one of the most common questions I get from moms who are homeschooling, who are also married. How do you begin your relationship and cultivate that relationship that you have with your husband while you're homeschooling because these kids that we have will grow up they Mm -hmm. will grow up they will leave the nest and you will be home with your husband and either you've cultivated it Mm -hmm. or you not and you grow apart so what are some ways that you did and maybe some advice that you have for for families that are living it going through it Mm -hmm. right now Yeah. So, you know, I know so many times we hear, you know, um, schedule the date night, you know, you got to take some time out for you and your husband um, to all those things that you said. But sometimes that's one other thing (laughs) that couples have to do. And it really can become like, I mean, I would get it and I understand it, but I'm tired. (laughs) You know, I've been working all day. You've been working all day. We've been dealing with these kids all day long. I mean, we've been taking them here and we've been taking them there. So one of the things that um, I know for us, what we did would be, we would just find, I guess, kind of like those um, out of the box kind of times. So for an example, instead of it being a Friday night, like, oh, okay, get a babysitter, we'll go out. It very well may be um, because our girls uh, are ballerinas. So on a Saturday, if they were practicing for, you know, they were in nutcracker seasons for seasons on end, then that would be our time. You know, it's like, okay, they're going to be gone to rehearsal or practice for a couple of hours. What can we do together? And then we would also give each other the opportunity to do something by ourselves. And I feel like for us, 
and I'm hopeful for others, that even when you help each other consider them, themselves as individuals, then that only is going to pour back into your relationship to be strong because the relationship is only going to be as strong as the people that are in the relationship. So even when you give each other those opportunities or the I'll pick them up and that'll give you, you know, an hour at the house or the whatever, or, you know, I'll go get them and that gives you, you know, an hour to hang out in the garage and build or whatever the case may be. That's my husband's thing. So, you know, it's like that um, consideration of each other only helps us to be that much more considerate of us as a couple. So then when it would be those odder times, maybe that we would find ourselves together, it wouldn't be like, now I'm having to, you know, like do the date kind of thing. And I don't really feel like it because we've given each other the opportunity again to kind of fill up first. And so then we would then be able to find those pockets where, oh, okay, well, since they're going to be here and they're going to be here, you want to go grab a burger or do you want to go and, um, you know, grab something where you can look a little bit nicer, you know, grab something to go eat, or do you want to go and um, if you've been thinking of a project to do together, do you want to go look for that furniture together or whatever? So we would find, um, and this is one of the things that I try to tell couples too, Sometimes, even though it seems like it's still about the family and it is about, you know, the house or the home, the togetherness, the dreaming together, the talking together, <laughs> you know, the working through the, well, don't you think this, don't you think that together, all of those really are deposits into your relationship. So I would just try to encourage couples to not overlook what could be kind of the mundane and what seems like the norm, but to really think of those as opportunities that you have to pour into each other and the being together, um, doing a thing that you both are enjoying or that you both are um, or, um are trying to figure out, or, you know, we have thought about doing this and like, oh, kind of back to what I was saying about the whole soul care thing. Here's a pocket of time that we can start working on that. That starts binding your hearts together as a couple. This has been terrific because when you were just talking, I was envisioning, especially when you talk about um, doing things individually, making time for that, like, we cannot look to our spouse to fill to <laughs> to fill the the emptiness or the voids or you know the dreams deferred all of the things that you mentioned that's not their job and at all you know and so we have to be a helpmate but we also have to to love ourselves unconditionally so that we can show up for our spouse because if we are looking for our spouse to show up for us and to be everything that we're not for ourselves, that's too much of a heavy burden for them to carry. And it's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. If you're doing for yourself, you will, you will just be a better person to even be around, you know? And so it won't be such a, such a um, type of relationship where you're taking, mm -hmm. it'll be more um, symbiotic where you're both giving and you're both taking at the same time. So I just- And also, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, to that point, I was just gonna say real quickly too, and, and it'll keep the other person 
from withdrawing and avoiding because if we're going to get together and you're sucking me dry and like you're saying I'm trying you're wanting something from me that I can't give you now I can't give you that dream deferred but I can give you space to work on that dream deferred you know I can say you always wanted you know this particular I don't know appliance or stove or you know whatever back to my little bacon you know kind of example right so then it's like oh my god thank you you did this for me you know you can pour into a person in that respect but we do want to be careful like you say because then when you do have that time and if it's (laughs) if you're dreading it or if you're trying to find ways to be busy to avoid it, then, I mean, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? So, yeah, we do have to look at that sometimes. Um, take a little pressure off of the couple, understanding that, you know, again, a couple is is comprised of two individuals who both are probably trying to do the most, you know, just day in and day out anyway. And then you bring us together and it's like, okay, you know, it can, it can sometimes feel like, what do you want from me now? But when we do give each other that opportunity to really um, be replenished and to be restored, then when we're together, it's really like we are then um, energized to do the things that we can do together as opposed to like, okay, let me get myself together. You know, let me put these clothes on. Let me take her to dinner because that's what she wants. I can feel better about doing that or that's what he wants, you know. I can feel better about doing this because I've had that time for myself. I am replenished. I am revived. And now I am ready to meet this person, you know, where he or she is. That was beautiful. I I just appreciate you taking the time (laughs) to share that because, you know, I I chuckled during the conversation, but it's really no laughing matter because so many families Mm -hmm. are facing this. And I know that it's real. And I know that in a relationship, you may not be in that season right now, but you may have been in the past. And frankly, I feel like every relationship is tested on different, in different phases. So, you know, I chuckle because Maybe I've moved past that phase right now, but when I was in that phase, it was a storm and I did not know what to do. But it's something that we have to talk about and we have to learn while we're on this journey and our children are watching us. So just like we teach them the academics, we also have to teach them how to relate to one another. So I just appreciate you unpacking that and giving mm-hmm. us the, the real deal and just <laughs> really just breaking it down because some so often, you know, if we didn't have an example to show us what marriage should be and how to um, incorporate each other's lives in a way that fills both people up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, then we're trying to just pull stuff out of hats and just make miracles that, that we don't know nothing about. So, so right. I am grateful that you touched on that. And we definitely have to have you back again to really just talk about that because that is, that is truly one of the questions I get the most. So I would love to have you back to kind of, you know, we talk about that in the form of, you know, um, teaching our kids and modeling before our kids, what healthy relationships are. So I just, it is always a pleasure and always a joy to talk to you. And the time always goes by so quickly, but I I love 
all of the information that you share so freely and so transparently. So I thank you for your time. And please tell us, tell everybody how they can connect with you, find out more about your podcast and um, just really um, be able to learn from you in your spaces. Yeah, so um, my website is, I'm sorry, it's so long. My children always go, mom, why is it so long? But I'm like, I, I don't know. But anyway, my website is gonna be Dr. Uh, Monique Smith Gadsen.com. You can go there and find information. Um, Instagram, I think I'm the same handle. Um, and Facebook, my podcast page will be in the church said um, podcast. So those are basically the areas Instagram, Dr. Monique Smith Gadsen. Um, I think that's right. I'll check that and make sure you have that for real. Um, website is drmoniquesmithgadson.com. And um, then my podcast is And the Church Said. And that's found on most um, podcast platforms. So yes, I checked your your Instagram and it is Dr. Monique Smith Gadson. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I will put all of those links in the show notes. So if you are listening right now, you don't have to remember all of that. Go to the show notes page and you will be able to click on those links. But I thank you for your time. I thank you for sharing. And um, I look forward to talking to you again. Yes, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Did you know that we sell merchandise to keep our podcast going? Order a hoodie, t-shirt, mugs, and more today. Visit cleverlychanging.com and click on the shop tab to place your order.